Hello, welcome to Leaving in Color, a podcast about uncovering your radiant self after losing your faith. I am your host, Christina Elmer. I'm so delighted you found us. Well, hello, everyone. Happy February. We are actually at the tail end of February. Hope that everyone has had a lovely month of love. Thank you so much for bearing with us as we took a small break earlier in the month and in between episodes to just kind of catch our breath as we started a new year and just dealt with things that life were throwing at us. So thank you again for allowing us this time to just be humans on this planet. Today's episode, let me tell you, first of all, just a small disclaimer before you decide to listen to this podcast with kids in the car. Probably not the best idea. This is probably headphones in, no kids around. There is some spicy content, not too spicy, but just probably something you may not want your kids hearing. Today's episode is going to be a fantastic episode as I I honestly feel all of my guests are fantastic. We have a wonderful conversation and it's just a delight to sit and hear their stories and share their stories on this podcast. So without further ado, here is episode six, first of two, returning home to yourself with Theron. Enjoy. Hi, and welcome to Leaving in Color. I am very, very excited about today's episode. My guest today is Theron Olivar. Theron, welcome to Leaving in Color. Thank you for having me. I think it's great. Finally, we get to meet. This has been a couple months in the making. We've had like with the holidays and, you know, both of us have just kind of like schedules just haven't quite matched up. And so... Here we are finally, and I'm so glad that you've taken time out from your day to be here. So welcome. Of course. Yeah. Planes, trains, and automobiles, but we made it. Hey. <laughs> we made it. Here we are. All right. Well, Theron, uh, give us a little bit of a background of who you are. So Theron actually is also ex-Mormon, but give us a background to your origin story. Correct. So I am uh, FOMO. Um, so current Mo, but, uh, I, I did convert over to Mormonism when I was 18, served a mission, almost got married, came out. So I'm happily partnered as of 09 now. So seven years after my mission, partnered up, married, been with them ever since. So it's been great, but the transition for that and the whys are kind of why we're here. It's like, that's the story part. That's the juice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a roller coaster. Tell me about your family background. So you grew up Apache. Yeah. So I'm Apache. I grew up, yes. uh, I've got four okay. siblings. So there's five of us, including my parents, not necessarily traditional. So I grew up Luth- uh, Lutheran. So within a private school from kindergarten to eighth grade. And even in that time, like, I knew that something was quote unquote wrong and um, there was no outlet. There's no way to explore 
what was going on and with me. I just knew that like I was Like in regards different. to your sexuality? Right. It's like I knew something was wrong, okay. but I, I wasn't, I mean, obviously I wasn't sexually active, but I knew something yeah. was up. Like my little crushes were like either my teachers or I didn't have that interest in girls at that time. Mm. So I was like, ah, this is weird. And I see my buddies having girlfriends. So I just got girlfriends. And at that age, okay. you know, you write Did them you? letters, you get them jewelry from the county fair and you yeah. hold hands maybe. And I'm like, I like girls, you know, this is fine. But there was no line in the sand to tell me otherwise that I, that something was right. off. Did you find yourself having like emotional connections with women in, or with girls, but not so much physical? Like, was there an emotional component for you? Exactly. Like they were my best friends. Okay. But at the time you couldn't be that close to girls because you'd be get called out easily. Mm. Apache culture is very masculine in the sense that, and very stereotypical in the sense that we had to stay in our lane. If you were too smart and too outspoken and well-spoken, you know, you'd get quote unquote bullied and for being um, light-skinned, you would get bullied for being speaking uh. the white language. You would be called a white boy in Apache. They call you Dachkin. So that, okay. that was kind of derogatory okay. for, for us. I mean, it's, it's not. It just means white person, white boy or whatever. But yeah. it, for us, it was just telling us you were being too white. Mm, yeah. Understood. So if I got straight A's, like I would dumb it down to get like an A minus just so I would fall mm. in. But I mean, there that began the, the process of protecting myself, right? Just so I wouldn't be called these names. Yeah. And then having to go in and have a little girlfriend and treat her right. Like I, I treated her like a princess, obviously. Because I'm just like, yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. I like you, but I don't know why. I, I think this is how it's supposed to go. And so it's, it was a very confusing time. Yeah. Puberty was very confusing, you know. And um, even my first intro introduction to like a gay person was in church. Somebody would come in and he would sit in the pews, long hair, long nails. And I remember sitting looking at him and I'm like, okay, I don't want that. Like, I like the clean cut. I like my nails short. Like, I don't want to be a girl, so I can't be gay. So the, there goes the internal questions of me asking, like, mm. okay, so I can't be gay, so what What the hell's wrong with me? You know, why don't I want a girlfriend to, that I can kiss? Mm. My friends were kissing already. You saw this person at Lutheran Church, like, at yeah. Sunday so they, service? Yeah, so they would show up every Sunday. Okay. And we would learn, oh. the pastor would get up there and start talking about faith and like peace and all that stuff but then when he saw the person it would change to sodomy people going to hell yeah. um what we're doing wrong so and and then it wasn't until like the fourth sermon that i heard and i was just like okay now two one plus one equals two this is why the sermon's changing to be more aggressive and and i'm like huh so why is this person sitting there subjecting themselves to hearing about them going to hell, you know? And with me, it's like I would have to look internally and say, am I going to hell? And I'm like, no, I'm a good person. Mm. I'm not going to hell. So yeah. that made it really hard. So I felt like I had to do another layer and hide again. And, you know, you just go into hiding out of fear. But 
I remember my mom shaking yeah. his hand on the on the Sundays and saying welcome and all this stuff and make him feel welcomed. And I was like, huh. Oh, I love that. So they're not bad people. Like, so it was very confusing. Yeah. And so, but you knew something was quote unquote wrong, right? With me. Oh, so you thought that there was something wrong with you, not wrong with what the pastor was saying or both? Kind of both. It's kind of a mix of both of them being um, okay. skewed in the sense of like with me, it's like I knew something yeah. was up, but I couldn't identify it uh, because I assumed that all gays wanted to be women. And it wasn't until later that I figured out, oh, like, okay, sex, okay, sexuality and orientation are completely different things, you know? And it's mm -hmm. not until you have that aha moment that you're like, okay, I, I don't affiliate with that. So that's not me. You know, you just clump them all together. And it wasn't until you educate yeah. and you get to know people and you realize, like, oh, that's them. I'm me. This is fine. And um, so with the pastor, it's like, the funny thing is I would always go head to head with the pastors. Like I got suspended from school. I would yeah. just because like we have catechism, <laughs> which is just a, a class, a subject in school. Uh -huh. And I remember one time we fought because a cousin of mine miscarried. She had baby uh, twin girls that uh, she had a miscarry pretty, pretty late on in the pregnancy. And we had a, a lecture about baptism, the, import, the importance thereof, that you needed that to go to heaven. So then I had asked the question, like, hey, okay. what if you're born, but you're not baptized? And I was told that if you're not baptized, it could be milk, it could be water, it could be whatever it is, but you baptize that baby in order for them to go to heaven. And he said, if you weren't, mm. that's God's plan, so you're going to hell. So then I fought with him and I'm like, no, but babies, you know, sins of the father, you don't go to hell for that. Anyway, I get suspended. So my parents are pissed. I think I'm in the wrong. And it wasn't until I told them like, hey, they said Tammy's babies went to hell, you know, like that. That's how I interpreted it. And it wasn't until then that my parents looked at me and they're like, oh, OK, so they went to the, the pastor and was like, don't you tell my son this nonsense. And they put their foot down. But the yeah. pastors within that private school that we went to we couldn't go participate with the within the apache ceremonies or anything like that because sins of the father traditions uh -huh. of the father and if yeah. we did we get suspended again um, <laughs> and we're all sports oriented so they withheld us from sports we were then deemed ineligible to play sports that week so yeah it was a very a very confusing time. So, like, I'm Apache, but I'm also Lutheran. So, you had to juggle identity crisis at an early age, and I'm yeah. also gay. Like, it's it's oh. it it was just a mix of emotions that I didn't know what to do with at that time. It's oh, heavy, it yeah, weird. and it's heavy for kids. Yeah, very heavy. But yeah, I'm glad this is an outlet. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Is Lutheranism a common religion found among the Apache people? Or I haven't done a lot of studies about Native Americans, just kind of what they right. give you in school, right? But I know that Catholicism is huge. Catholicism is huge. In like Latin American countries with the Native people. Um, but what about Lutheranism? Like how did, how did your family come into that? Or was there a huge community, Lutheran community within the Apache 
It all depends. So like the, the private school I went to was called the mission school. So it, okay. The, and I think it's ever, whoever gets there first. Okay. So the Lutheran set camp and then Catholicism came after that after, on our reservation. And because they're, they're closed and self-governing reservation that it depends on the religion that gets allowed on the reservation, at least back in the day. Okay, and who decides that? Is there like a council that decides? There's a tribal council. Yeah, so we have a tribal council that looks to see. So on the reservation, we can't own land, right? So it's just leave. Right. Even to members, just so we can't sell it. So there will always be a reservation. Right. So Lutheranisms, they have a plot of land that is assigned to the, that's granted to the church where they can build a church. And so Catholicism, they wanted to own the land so they can build a church because you know, them as an organization wanted to build a church up, but they didn't want to invest a lot in it because they can't own the land. And yeah. who's to say that the council would change their mind and take the land back and then it would just be a waste, you know, yeah. financially not savvy. But um, so the Lutheran schools were granted a lease. And whenever they were granted a lease, it was like 50 years or 100 years. I'd have to look it up. Okay. But they're allotted a certain, like, an acre of land. So, okay. yeah, my reservation in specific has, like, 1.2 million acres. So, wow. yeah, it, it's pretty significant and pretty drastic, yeah. And in it, it, even when I was in the mission school, in the Lutheran school, because there was a, a Catholic school. Um, my okay. grandmother is Catholic. My father, uh, he went to the Lutheran school when I, and... Uh, had my mom convert because you couldn't mix religions. And so she converted right. over to Lutheranism. We were raised Lutheran, but my mom would always teach us about the saints and mm. how she grew up and whatnot. Yeah. Religion is prominent on the reservation, but people go yeah. just to say that they're quote unquote religious. Okay. But in their core, we're Apaches and our yeah. ceremonies trump everything. Were you allowed to participate in ceremonies or not at all? Like as a Lutheran, were you not allowed to do that? Could Catholics do that? The reason I'm asking is I'm I'm imagining the reservation and imagining that there's a Lutheran church, probably Catholic. Is everybody going to church or there's some people that say, I don't want the religion of the quote unquote white man. I want to stay, you know, with you know, the beliefs of, of my, you know, my forefathers are the people that opt to do that. Yeah. As far as affiliating uh, with the church, that's optional. Like our congregation, we had about 200 people. Okay. So it's, it wasn't huge. It was just, you had to be a member of the church to be able to go to the school to get okay. the, good ed- the superior education. Right. And Catho- the Catholicism, the Catholic church did not have a school. So it was like 50, 60 people. Okay. Everybody who didn't affiliate with those churches were just called uh, traditional. They're okay. just Apache. Okay. And they would go to the ceremonies, and which made it conflicting as well because like we had such a huge family. Mm-hmm. And one of the ceremonies, um, the sunrise dance, is when the girl comes of age. And it's kind of their intro to the tribe. Okay. So you're saying, hey, this is my daughter. And then she selects godparents. So it's another family and you're just presenting to the tribe like, hey, this is my daughter now. And she's telling them, hey, these are my parents now. 
And it's a beautiful thing. It's kind of, it's like a quinceanera meets a baptism. It sounds beautiful. Yeah, we would get dinged on it because if somebody saw you there and they told the pastors, like that was a big thing is mm. narking each other out. Like, And so if the pastor find out, found out, they would call us in for interviews and then we'd have to say yes or no. Oh, that's unfortunate. So sometimes we, my parents would have to say, like, if you get called in, just say, no, you weren't there. Yeah, yeah, yeah I understand so that for sure. It's just that they'd hold it over your head that Lutheranism is the only God. Whereas if you think about it, like back in the day, our ancestors didn't know how to say God. Ours, we call the creator, if you will, uh, Usin. So okay. Usin is our word for God. It's just we didn't speak English. And mm. to us, it's the same thing. Yeah, I'm I'm very fascinated by the Native American traditions and ceremonies. It's interesting because I grew up in El Paso, which is on the border of Mexico, and we had a variety of people in our in our ward in our congregation there. And I remember being 12 years old, and there was a family there. I can't remember all the details, but I know that they were they were native people and they were, they were Mormon. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and they for a Wednesday night activity. So in Mormonism, you go to church for our listeners. They, you go to church on Sunday and then you have, um, at the time that probably when Theron and I went, it was three hours long. So you'd have the sacrament service and then you'd have Sunday school. And on Wednesday nights, we'd go just for like kind of fun activities. It was just like an opportunity for, the youth and the kids to get together. And there's usually something, you know, gospel or religious space, but sometimes it was just to go and have fun. And so one, one activity that was planned when I was about 12 years old was they did, I think, tell me I'm not up on all the terms, but it was a round dance. Is that what they're called? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we were taught, you know, a round dance and it was, I loved it because there was drums and just, I don't know. It's, Interesting looking back now and in Mormonism, we're taught that like the only way you can be close to God and feel the spirit is within the Mormon church, right? They hold the exclusive rights to spirituality. And so anytime you feel a curiosity towards another spiritual belief or another culture that might have spiritualism embedded in it or ingrained in it, that it's wrong. Like that is a big no, no. It's all the devil. Yes. Yeah. It's the devil. And I remember just like <laughs> being overcome with the beauty of it. And I'm like, but this also feels a little bit shameful because, you know, we're not supposed to feel the spirit outside of the realms of Mormonism. So. Right. And then there's that conflict is like, Oh, that's pretty. And the round dance is nothing more than a social dance. So pretty uh -huh. much when two tribes met, Okay. Um, they do a round dance so they would, you know, integrate, they'd mingle, and that's ah. kind of the social dance and the beauty of it. So there's nothing religious about it. There's nothing like tempting about it, but it's just like, hey, this is like we come in peace, kind of. Yeah. And it's like they play, they would have food, they would do a dance, there would be music. So you would just do a round dance just to show, hey, we're all here. Yeah. And then you'd introduce yourselves by clans because back okay, in the day, yeah. it's like, we didn't have Apaches, Navajos. It was like, see, like I'm of the Blackwater clan. So okay. I'd say I'm my mother's clan and I'm born into my dad's clan. Okay. And this is who I am. And right. you'd look and they'd be like, oh, okay, those are our cousins. Those are our grandparents. Like, 
that's how you got to know each other. And if you're on good terms. Okay. Are they still broken up into clans? Yes. Okay. So we are broken up into into clans. I mean, um, you can't marry within clans because you're too, we say you're too closely related. Oh, okay. Um, But within the tribe, we can be like, I'm San Carlos Apache. We can marry San Carlos Apaches. I just can't marry anybody who's Blackwater because I am Blackwater, you know? So, and the clans are all maternal. So I am my, my mom's clan, but I'm born into my dad's clan. So it's just that creates that peace. And you're that, that little intersection to say like, Hey, I'm Blackwater and I'm born into guide skin. Like, the Weavers clan. And so okay. everybody's unique, you know? I love that. That's fascinating. Yeah. I did not know that for the Apache people, like, is there a lot of things that tend to be like from the maternal side or is it still pretty paternal patriarchal or is it, or is there a good mix of, you know, men and women kind of holding different power? Does it make sense? The weird thing is like all the kids, boy or girl, they're, they're their mother's sons okay. and my my mother's sister's kids are my brothers you know okay so your first cousins are your brothers um your dad's sides like those are your cousins like yeah, okay because <laughs> your dads are just the donors even though they run the household yeah um it's a very masculine household it's like the men are in charge but you are you're you are of your mother okay so is there like a i guess a form of sacredness towards women and the power that they Mm -hmm. hold in that way okay that's really cool yeah so they're they're the giver of life you know they they give you everything and all your dad gives you is your name that's really cool that's the thing it's like it's it's very sacred you know you're you know because your mothers are held in a sacred regard to where you look at her you're like that's who i am and you look at your dad and you're just like, oh, yeah, that's he gave me a name. And not to diminish that. No, no, like, no. I yeah, know, absolutely like, not. I love my father. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just that that's how it's seen. And that's how you're taught as a kid. Yeah. Oh, that's so, incredible. And then, and then in comes a religion that tells you, like, follow the father, the patriarch. <laughs> yeah. That must have been really confusing. Huh. Everything was confusing. <laughs> For right. sure. Yeah. Right. I wanted to ask um, about doctrinal differences between Lutheranism and Mormonism. Like I know that Lutheran, you know, from what I've read, the focus is on the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. They they really love the Bible. Obviously Mormons have both, but most Christian religions have the Bible. There Was there anything that when you were investigating the church, learning about the church, that was difficult for you to get on board with or anything that was kind of contrary other than, you know, the Lutheran church pastor probably is like, you know, Mormonism is a cult. But other than that, like, is there anything that seemed off or just something that you had to really work at believing any sort of differences? I think for me was the the priesthood. Mm. You know, you get the Aaronic and you get the Melchizedek priesthood. Yeah. So within Lutheranism, uh, you have to go to college at Martin Luther College and you have to affiliate with that specific branch so i'm wells i was wells lutheran which is wisconsin evangelical lutheran church so wells 
synagogue, sorry, not church. And so Wells Lutheran, once they go in, graduate from Lutheran school and get certified, then now they can teach. And then they get assigned, a, uh, it's essentially the equivalent to a parish, but they get assigned to a mission. Okay. And on tribal land, those are the only things, like the, they're the the missions you know that's like forts fort whatever it's normally a fort mm-hmm. just because those are where the the cavalry used to be right. like so those were uh government lands that were allocated to armies and whatnot so yeah so like we were taught that baptism by fire and lutheranism baptism by fire would only come to us pretty much once we were all raised again so um after Christ came back after so like the, the resurrection. resurrection or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And so going into Lutheran or Mormonism and I'd have to ask him like, what's the Melchizedek priesthood? Like what, what, mm. what? So that was the biggest thing is like defining the types of priesthood and the powers within, you know, and then the rites, the temple, I will say, I was shook it. Yes. Go, we'll have to have a special in. episode on that one. I would love to have you back and we can, you know, as a convert. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It, it was a lot. Yeah. I can imagine. And how I didn't run from there screaming is beyond me, but not like it's bad. No, no, no. Back in the day, it's like, because where they do the anointing when it, right mm-hmm. before I got my garments and they had to clean the body and everything. That was so odd because I did it. And then I look over and it's one of, my classmates' fathers was in there. And I was just like, we're both naked pretty much under like separate sheets. Yeah. But and I'm like, this is this is normal. And then somebody's yeah. touching me under this mm-hmm. under the robe. And I'm like, and this is okay. Like, yeah. Okay, okay. They're doing it too, so it's fine. So that's what I mean. It's like you just follow mm-hmm. and you accept the fact that this is okay. For sure. But yeah, another yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. But thank you for clarifying that. I was just curious because I, like I said, I don't know a whole lot. I just know that it was Martin Luther that started Lutheranism because he was, you know, frustrated with, was it the Catholic Church back in 15, the 1500s. So, but yeah, right. I just was curious. That could be the break off. Yeah, the that's right. Yeah. So podcast. now let's move into, yeah. So tell us a story about how you found out about Mormonism because was there an, an LDS church? On the reservation or? No. No. Okay. So we didn't have a, an LDS church on the reservation. So like I said, I'd been struggling all through yeah. grade school. So then come high school, I still had that. Like I had little girlfriends and I'm like, and if they're listening, I'm sorry. I love you all. <laughs> Darren's <laughs> a lover, not a fighter, a hater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, I, I still felt something was wrong. And so yeah. um, I would play sports and then a, bit, a friend of mine, I found out was Mormon and I'd heard all the horror stories like, Oh, they're in a cold. They do this stuff. So then I looked at my friend and he looked normal and I'm like, how are you Mormon? So I asked questions and then I got to know his schedule and I realized like he had, you know, FHE. He couldn't come with us on Mondays because he had to go home and have dinner with his family. Yeah. And then he had mutual and then he had all these other things planned out. And I always played sports all through high school, but I felt like that keeps him extra, extra busy. You know, on mm-hmm. weekends, he has things to do. Uh, 
maybe that's what I need. It's just more structured just to get these thoughts out of my head. Interesting. And I remember when I started taking the discussions with the elders, like I would fight them because Lutheranism, they tell you how to defend yourself with the Bible, with the scriptures and whatnot. So I would sit there, argue with them. And I'm like, no, but the Bible says this. And they'd bring the Book of Mormon out to me. And I'd tell them, no, I don't want to see that book. This You you know the Bible. Let's talk about the Bible. Yeah. And um, finally, it's just, it got to a point where I thought, okay, this is what I need that'll help me and cure me of my fascination mm. with gays, you know? And so I joined the church, um, went on dates. It expanded my dating pool. And how old were you when you joined? I was 18 okay. because my parents wouldn't allow me when I was 17. Mm. So I, because ra- being raised Lutheran, they the day I told them that I wanted to be baptized in the Mormon church, they got my old teachers to come in, come back. Um, we had a prayer circle. Like you would think it was an exorcism going on in my house. <laughs> yeah. And they all they all prayed for me and they're like, please let Darren see the light and don't let him get sucked into the cold kind of thing. And in my mind, like I couldn't tell them like, hey, I'm trying to do this to fix me. Yeah. Like, I need to fix myself. But because I was a kid, I didn't know how to express that. And yeah. I didn't know how to tell them, look, nothing's worked. I've tried mm-hmm. praying. I've tried all this stuff. And I've kind of talked to the bishop in the sense of like, he's, he's telling me if I fast, I make my sacrifices with my body that um, fasting, only mm-hmm. fasting, and only that fasting. It'll, it'll help me. Can you clarify a little bit for our listeners about um, the bishop recommending you fast when you went in and told him about you being gay, right? You're getting ready you just joined the church, right? And then um, you're getting ready to go on a mission and, you know, probably talking to the bishop during the whole process from the time you joined the church to when you went, a, went on a mission. Am I wrong? I didn't speak to the bishop himself. I spoke to, uh, because within the congregation or the uh, the ward, the ward members, um, there was a a member who was a friend of my parents. Okay. So my parents, not being members, they were friends with him still. Okay. I mean, not still, but yes. And so I kind of like confided in, in him because I'd help him with out on the ranch. Okay. And so he told me at one point, he's like, you know, there comes a time, which kind of made me think. It blew my mind. Uh, he said, There's, there comes a time in every guy's life where they have to decide what they want to pursue. As in, do I want a wife or not? Okay. And I was like, Okay. Kind of odd, kind of taken aback, but um, I took it for what it was. Like his life experiences, I have no idea what they were. I didn't ask because I had never come out because I wasn't even sure what yeah. I was, you know. And this was, you were, how old were you then when this conversation happened with the friend? Uh, I was 18. Okay. Yeah, I joined, I joined when I was 18. And um, so it was between 18 and 19 that we had the conversation. And I asked him, like, hey, you know, I was like, I don't even know if I could be a member. Um, I wasn't going around telling everybody because obviously you can't just say, hey, I might have feelings towards guys. Uh, I don't know what to do with it. (laughs) Uh, But I was just like, you know, like, is like, is this normal? Because he had a gay son. Okay. And so I was like, okay. I was like, there's there's my in. So I took advantage of that and we kind of expounded on that. And 
that was the thing he said. He's like, we just have to come to a point where, where we decide. Okay. Which made me think. I was like, oh, do a lot more people go through this, you know? Yeah. And then even with the bishop with the fasting um, and making a covenant, it was more about making a covenant and not fasting. So apologies if I got that mixed up. He just said that, you know, fast on it, obviously. Yeah. And that the biggest sacrifice that I could make, like the one up of fasting would be serving a mission because that's the ultimate sacrifice yeah. of your body, your time. Yeah. And you make a pact with God, our Heavenly Father. Yeah. And I was like, okay. That sounds that's reasonable. Like for a big a big prize of like wanting a wife and kids and mm -hmm. that white picket fence, I just give up two years. Done. Yeah, that's like a small drop in the bucket of time if you think about it. I mean it's a lot right. when you're nineteen right. years old, but at the same time, hindsight, yeah. Hindsight, yeah. Okay. Blink of an eye. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, it's just interesting that the bishop recommended that like the amount of sacrifice one makes to be on a mission. Like your time is not your own. Essentially, your body isn't your own either, right? You have to be places, right. you make appointments, you're sometimes even told where to be. You know, you have meetings this time, you have to be at church this time, your P-Day, like your schedule is set for you. Like your personal time is set yeah. for you. You don't get to dictate that. The mission president dictates that, right? Your P-Day is set and your day has to be filled and you're accountable for that day. So okay. you have to report to whether it be a district manager or, or zone leader, they will call you when you come in at, uh, I think it was like seven or eight. Okay. I forgot what time we, we had to run back to the, the apartment. Right. But they will call you and say, hey, what'd you do with your day? And so we'd have to tell them like between this time yeah. and this time was travel, this time and this time we're teaching this person. Yeah. And they would quote unquote keep track of our progression within our, not necessarily clients, our investigators. Mm -hmm. And then they'll just see how we were progressing. If yeah. we lost contact with somebody we'd have to explain why so it's very micromanaged yeah yeah you're again like just as we were saying our time your body it's not your own so it is understandable right. why the you know the bishop was like hey go on a mission that's the next level that's the next form of like i guess physical time sacrifice you know because yeah it's like boot camp you just lose yeah. yourself and you're just like okay you dedicate to the work you don't venture out. You have no thoughts. Yeah. And you, that's all consuming. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, maybe I need to de detach for a little bit to find myself. Right. You know, so, as cliche as that sounds. Yeah. Very sorry. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I wonder if a bishop ever told you at some point or like if when you guys were working with investigators, because maybe this is just something I had heard at some point, but for example, for people that can't fast because of medical reasons or physical reasons, they can't fast. So go without food or drink. Mm -hmm. It's recommended that they abstain from something as like an offering, right? We think about people giving up things for Lent, mainstream Christianity or even Catholicism. They practice Lent where they give up something for, was it 40 days or something? Mm -hmm. But fasting in the Mormon church for listeners that are not familiar with too much about Mormonism, um, the first Sunday of the month is designated the fast Sunday. So you go 24 hours without food or drink, um, and then you pay tithes to the church based upon the food that you didn't eat. So the money that you would have spent to, to prepare those meals as fast offerings. You can fast anytime. You know, um, you could fast before a big event, a big test if you're in, you know, studying school or whatever. Um, 
So fasting could be done anytime, but that was like the set time the church was like, hey, this is when everybody does it. But yeah, had you heard that before that? Did you offer that to investigators as well? It's like, you know, you're not able to physically fast because of a medical condition. Did you run into that at all? Because I can see why the mission president or the bishop didn't suggest it because they kind of they run parallel, right? Yeah. So um, we did have an investigator that um, couldn't fast, like diabetes, diabetic. And yeah. uh, so we told him like, okay, well, it's more about sacrifice. So it's more if you sacrifice your free time and then you can go ahead and, you know, read scripture or do a good deed or do uh, a service for somebody else, do something good. And as long as you start with a prayer, you do complete the objective and then you end with a prayer saying, mm-hmm. hey, I'm I'm finished. Like I work, I volunteered for two hours. I did my part. Right. Now it's his it's his thing. You're essentially egging on Heavenly Father to be like, hey, <laughs> yeah. I did my part. Now it's your turn. Yeah. yeah. You know, like poking him. Like so... remember the poke option on Facebook? Remember that? Like you're poking God. <laughs> like, you're like, like here. I'm here. Hey, I'm here. <laughs> I offered you I'm 24 hours of no part. food and Where drink. <laughs> <laughs> Legit. And I gave you special tithings to go. Yeah, I don't know where. I gave you, you know? money along with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's surreal once you think about it, like after the fact, as in, um, you know, I, I legit try and do something good every day. That's what you should carry. That's your what heart you should anyway. do like, regardless I, of like any sort of reward at the end. Right. Right. Just be right. a good human regardless of... You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. I guess yeah. we could call the mission, like I'm thinking about it as you're telling me about it. I'm imagining the TV show Amazing Race. Yes. yes. And there's a prize at the end. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not so all of you are going to win, right. but it's there. Right. I, you can kind of <laughs> say that the Mormon mission is like that. The Mormon mission, you know, fasting, the ultimate fasting race or whatever, you know? <laughs> Because you right. do, you sacrifice yeah, the ultimate so race. Much. Yeah. I mean, you learn a lot, but after the fact, you look back and you learn a lot from that experience. Yeah, you, know? you definitely grew up on mission. And... There's not, we don't want to discount that experience. <laughs> I know that, you know, Tucker has talked fondly of it. I didn't, obviously didn't, I didn't serve a mission. I got married at 21, but um, the people for the most part have. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, cool. Like the benefits of this, cool. Uh, pray about things, you know, study things. And so I was an avid studier. So I would just sit there with the scriptures, pray about everything. I was busy with mutual. I was busy with school, extracurriculars. So I didn't have time to act on anything. Mm. And yeah, so then that happened. So I got baptized on my 18th birthday after I graduated high school, Uh, went to college. And the college I went to was predominantly Mormon. So that just expanded my friends group. So it was very social. The social aspect of the church is part of none. Like I loved it because I love people. I love getting to know them. I'm like, hey, who are you? And we talk. Um, Again, dating. And then um, my buddies were getting ready for the mission. And being that I was so so new to the church, I was like, okay, there's no way that I'm going. Mm -hmm. And... It wasn't until I was in the Institute that they encouraged me to go and they're like, you got to go. That's what your, your friends are doing. That's what you're doing. And I'm like, I would argue with them and say, hey, and I, I know I'm, I sound like an um and argumentative person, but no, I'm not. I would just say, I would just come to them with questions. I'm like, look, I just joined a year ago. Mm-hmm. How are you expecting me to 
put my quote unquote papers in. I don't know what this means. <laughs> and I went to my bishop and I'm like, look, and this is for my home word, not from school. And I went to my old bishop and I'm like, look, I've been having these feelings for a little bit. I don't know what it is. And he said that um, one of the main things that you have to think about is the ultimate sacrifice and the importance of sacrifice and that if you serve a mission and work diligently and serve an honorable mission, you come home as a return missionary. You do it for the right reasons and, and you just do a prayer, kind of like a pact, and you do that with the Heavenly Father, that'll be your sacrifice for two years, the two most important years of hard work. Um, you'll be fine. And so that, to me, I was just like, that's all you got to do to fix this? Mm. So I signed in my, everybody went stateside. So Utica, New York, New Jersey, uh, they all went stateside. I got called to Argentina. And how did you feel <laughs> about that? Like, were you hoping to go stateside or were you wanting something different? I thought that being so new that they would send me to Salt Lake so that I could learn, ah, right? Yeah. And I'm like, so I opened my letter. Everybody was in my house. My parents still aren't Mormon. They didn't know what was going on. So you had all my right. Mormon buddies they're watching me open an envelope and I'm like, Buenos Aires, Argentina. We had to look at a map to see where Buenos Aires was. And, yeah. and my mom was like, but you don't speak Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I was like, maybe they saw my last name because Olivar is a Hispanic last okay. name. So that's what we thought there was a mix up. And so, <laughs> so we asked our bishop and he's like, no, that's where you're supposed to go. And yeah, so I, I, fast forward, I served over to Argentina with Tucker. Yeah, with my fiance, <laughs> my now fiance, Tucker. So I'm curious, like what, I didn't serve a mission, like I got my mission, quote unquote, for women. So I'm assuming you're the same age as Tucker, right? I just turned 40 this oh, year. Oh yeah, he's so turning 40 this year. Yeah, he's turning 40 this year. Uh-huh. So back in our days, so like when I graduated high school was 1999. <laughs> And um, at that time, the Mormon church, the age requirement for serving a mission was 19 for boys and 21 for girls. And right. so I didn't serve a mission because I got married at 21. That was that was my excuse. Was my mission was to get married. <laughs> Which now that sounds so fucking stupid. It's crazy. But that's what's pushed on you. You're 21. <laughs> you're a baby. Okay. Um, but yeah, so just like looking back on it, you know, but so when you fill out your papers, I don't know what that looks like. Um, I don't know if it's changed. I have an 18 year old who's graduating high school this year. I don't know what his plan is. He might be going on a mission, but his dad is still mm -hmm. active in the church. Okay. Can you go over and kind of tell me like, what do you feel? Like? Cause I, I can imagine just from, you know, when I was at BYU and I had friends that were going on missions, like. I hung out with all the Pacific Islanders because this is kind of what we uh -huh, I had uh -huh. a roommate who was in love with all of them. And so that's just who we hung out with. And it was great. It was always a good time. Um, uh -huh. But I know that, you know, if they had like family background somewhere or you spoke a language, you could mark that on on your papers. Right. You could say, you know, I speak Japanese or my family's from Japan. Like my dad, when he served a mission, I'm surely he put, you know, I am half Japanese. And so he got sent to Japan on his mission. 
did you, was there anything like that that you're like, you know, I'm, you know, and I'm native person, you know, Apache. Yeah. What about like how long you've been a member? Is that even a question they ask? It wasn't a member. There wasn't. It wasn't a okay. Question. It okay. wasn't like it. It's like I, I guess that's a I've good been a or bad a thing. Year and four minutes. It should be. <laughs> I mean, granted, I, I I had a lot of baptisms, but yeah, I could. Sell. It's just because I can sell. You know. <laughs> I mean, and, and you're a charming it, person, so I get it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just something that comes naturally. It's uh, it's word vomit, and I'm just like, okay, do you feel it? And so there. So as far as the paperwork, there wasn't a how long have I have you been a member? Okay. There wasn't a question about do you feel comfortable, confident enough to speak another language? Mind you, I don't know how to teach the gospel in English at this point. So I'm like, <laughs> you want me to go speak? teach this in Spanish. I'm like, I'm not understanding. And the paperwork is just like, are you like, I've been absolved from, from since I, I'd always yes. laughed and said, yes. I'm a convert. Yeah. I dated girls. And I, so I'm a yes. convert. I was washed clean. I was born again, again. Yes. <laughs> but, but I mean, it was pretty much, do you agree to the terms of the mission? This okay. is what we expect. This is how you can go. Do I speak another language? I marked no. Um, and all I kept getting was because it was a whirlwind. I mean, they would, the, the parents of my friends would legit tell me, oh, the spirit will guide you. Yeah. The prophet knows what he's answer. doing. Yep. And I was just all the way through the temple. I remember looking around like, what, what, <laughs> you know, like, but you, you get kind of get coaxed into it because I'm seeing my friend's dad next to me. And, and so you have to cope with it and just be like, okay, this is normal. Like this, the outfit is normal. <laughs> this, this is who I am now, you know, like yeah. this, this is my personality now. It's, it's so, uh, looking back, you just think, wow, how did I get so deep? And even my friends have questions, like they're not Mormons, but they have questions and I'll answer them. And, and they ask me like, you believe this because I work in finance. And so we're very logical and they looked at me and they're like, you believed all this. And I'm like, kind of, but I felt like I, I, I never drank the Kool-Aid to where like I had like a testimony to where I like, Mm. I would be so into it and, or enthralled or excited to teach it. I just knew that this is something that I have to do to fix myself. So ulterior motives. So I, anybody listening, like who are, still active are going to, you know, it's easy to say he didn't go with it with a, with a clean heart or pure of heart or with best intentions. But I did like, I went out there and I'm like the people that I baptized are still active. Some served missions. They're sealed in the temples and that's great. Yeah. But it's just after a while, you just have to look back and be like, how did I get here? Like I went yeah. through the temple, I did all the ordinances. So I'm like, without question. Mm-hmm. And I just allowed that to happen. Yeah. Wow. Okay. You know, so I did go in with the right intentions. I did everything wholeheartedly. Yeah. I gave my time. I did what I was supposed to do. And I fell in line. I legit just fell in line and said, this is it. This is fine. I trust these people. And 
Yeah. And now I'm no longer a member, which I, that's my choice. I don't have any regrets of being a church, a member of the church. I don't have any horror stories per se. That's a whole nother episode. Yeah. But (laughs) it's as far as like, I know I got off topic, but no, no, no. Paperwork. This is great. It was just, are you willing to go? Uh, Do you want to speak another language? Is that preferable? And in each one, I said, no, I do not want to speak Spanish. Really? So you did specify. I did specify. I didn't. I took like one semester of Apache language and got half a credit of college, you know, so Uh half a college credit. So. But, that's interesting but yeah, and they still sent me anyway they still sent you anyway. it was just you know they were testing your faith at that point like you know like how, i wonder just it. like how they even get to the point of you know do they just throw names in a bowl i'm very curious like i'm not trying to come from a place of like to vilify the church in any way in this process because right. like you've seen when they select a pope for the catholic church like it's a whole process like i only know this because of the da vinci code <laughs> from years ago yeah but then like they televise it right and then like if the piece of paper isn't the right thing if the smoke is in the right color whatever and so that's not how they do it with prophets but how do they do it with you know when you've been so specific and you're like i don't want to learn another language yeah well because it's just that's a part but, of the the agency that they you, they give you they take it away because i'm like yeah. i don't feel comfortable speaking spanish yeah and like, do I think that we should have a say in what, where we go, what we do? Maybe, but then that opens floodgates, like, yeah. organizationally. And that's what you got to think of it as. It's like an organization. Yeah. You know, they have somebody who's retiring from Buenos Aires, south, yes. Yeah. And um, they need bodies to fill. And yeah. it was just a mess. So you go to the MTC and you learn for, like, six weeks, mm-hmm. but you focus yeah. on Spanish. I went down. I didn't. I barely knew how to ask where the restroom was. I barely knew how to ask, "Do you believe in God?" And I had to learn that. But by the end, I will say I was fluent. Yeah, that's amazing. Though, like, there's something to be said about the church and how they. It's it's a well-oiled machine, honestly. Like you think about the the rigor and the structure that takes place in the mission training center, which there's one in Provo, Utah. And I think there Uh is one in South America and Argentina now, isn't there? I think so. I think there's one in Argentina, but before that there was one in um, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Yes. Because a friend of mine served in Brazil, but I will say, well, yeah, it's, yeah, we can edit this out, but I'm like, the MTC was probably the gayest place ever. Well, that's what I've heard. <laughs> I don't know if we want to put it on the podcast, because that actually might be kind of juicy. <laughs> it, and it, it really is. I mean, especially for like somebody who goes in, you get the missionary haircut, right? Yes. You're in the MTC. Uh-huh. And then you get placed in this dormitory with this new group of guys who yeah. also don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, you, and super graphic, I apologize, No, but you shower, you poop, you do everything together. Yeah. And we legit did. So it's like, okay, like, look, I'm, I'm working on me. Like, I don't want to be that weird guy that goes into a single shower by myself. So <laughs> yeah. we would have, um, you know, gym time uh-huh. every day at the same time. So we'd get with other districts and then we'd have gym time. Um, so of course I gravitate to the more athletic group. So we play com- competitive volleyball. So I get, so like people from Irving, California, 
Um, Elder, if you're listening, I apologize. That's not a shout out. But um, we would play. And then we found out we were like housed in the same building within the MTC, right? So I, after gym time, I would go over and I'd shower in there with their district. It's so weird. It's so weird talking about it. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Like, I know that it's like locker room stuff, right? It's everybody showering together. Did you get any feeling about somebody and the MTC that was like, you're like, might be gay? Or did you just, did it not register at all? Just because it was just like, you're used to being in a locker room, you played sports. It was just, this is what Mm -hmm. guys do. This is what happens in the locker room. And it's just like, so even for the MTC, it's like you have devotionals, you have every second of your day planned out. And I mean, to say it was gay is tough. I mean, just because I think it, it makes it confusing for people who affiliate with SSA okay. or being gay, you know, just because you see a lot of naked bodies yeah. in there. Like, let's call it what it is. And it's like, people are just doing, <laughs> what did Tucker say? It, they're playing body hockey, <laughs> which is disgusting. <laughs> I would, I would never even walk on those floors yeah. barefoot. Yeah. Yeah. You have your, your shower sandals and there are people like lathering themselves up and being pushed across the room. It's disgusting. Boys are disgusting. I hope butt side down. No. No. Flipped on the pee-pee side. I mean, at the end, like, you kind of, like, roll on your side, but still, like, so it's not until you hit the wall. Oh, God. But, but yeah, it's it's liquid soap all over, and you (laughs) slide as far as you can, and sometimes somebody will push you. It's but it's not but it's not anybody like (laughs) running into each other there wasn't any of that like let's see if we can push somebody into each other and see like (laughs) i didn't see that because luckily i was like in the suites which is like we had two other districts in our on our floor okay but we did for service we would see the big like a whole floor of just we call them the tree of life all trees trees of lives and yeah, we so you could house hundreds of missionaries. In our thing, we had like four Tree of Lives. So okay. it was just like our district and whoever woke up at the same time. And, you know, we would all just shower together. Okay. Like, but you could also see the stalls. Mm. So people were in there doing their business and you're just like mm, showering and you're like, okay. I'm such a germaphobe that I'm like, okay, those particles are landing on oh, me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. Like, mm. But it's, it's to say that it's like a gay experience, like, no, but it is confusing if you want to get away from that mm. stuff. And if you're going there to fix yourself and work on yourself and you're like, okay, there, there's a swinging dick. There's a hundred <laughs> swinging dicks. I mean. And there's one just sliding by right there. And there's, there's another one, one. There, there's a butt there's a butt and you're, you're you're comparing yourself right and you're just like i wonder if these guys have the same issues i do i, I, I don't yeah, know that has to be really <laughs> which i'm tough. sure some did but i i don't know yeah i can imagine yeah now that you think about it, that's yeah that's not gonna help anyone necessarily want yeah. to like you know it's tough so. And if this gets out, I'm sure like the MTC will have curtain showers now. 
<laughs> maybe they everybody. do. Maybe they do already. But like maybe things have somewhat changed. I who who knows? I wouldn't put it past the church it to have cameras oddity. in there either. Yeah, and some old dudes just watching to make sure <laughs> nothing happens. I know. It's like, uh, Jesus and germs trauma. are everywhere, <laughs> and the church. <laughs> Make sure one gets on you and the other doesn't. Yeah. It's. Yeah. <laughs> that's got to be the name of the podcast is Jesus and Germs. <laughs> Jesus only and let germs. one in. Oh, only let one in. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. But um, there was this girl and she was an awesome setter. She played volleyball. So she would set us and everything. And we became great friends. You know, obviously, I gravitate to females and i'm like hey you know you're awesome good job good job like encouraging yeah totally innocent and my district when they saw that i my companion and i would go over across the hallway to the other district to Uh shower up with the other district that also had pt hour um they thought i was going to see that sister Uh. and so they it went up the chain so this her sister and I, we both had to have an interview with the mission president at the MTC and tell the mission president, like, what? No, we're not dating. We're going on our missions. We're going on training. Yeah. Yeah. So our district didn't have faith in us. And she was just really cool. And we, we we're Facebook friends now. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. But yeah, so that, that was my trouble. I'm like, a person going to fix himself for being gay and knowing something was wrong gets in trouble for almost dating a sister missionary. Yeah. And I'm like, that doesn't resonate with me. Yeah, But it's also but, not unusual if like anyone listening that is familiar with missions in the Mormon church. Like I have, I've known people that have served a mission, met their current spouse on their mission. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not unusual. It's not atypical. And so there's, the, you know, the people in your district are probably like, you know, they're probably thinking the same thing. Like, oh, this girl's cute. How come she's not giving me the time of day? And so there was probably maybe a little bit of jealousy there. Like, right. And she was gorgeous. <laughs> I mean, and I you wasn't know, bad looking back in the day. I mean. Well, you're still not like, bad no, looking. Stop. We're, yeah. We were friends. And I wanted to be her friends. But I'm like, now you guys just made it awkward. Like. Yeah. It, it it was so odd. That's so funny. So districts, <laughs> I'm I'm assuming districts are, is it based upon where you're going on your mission? More more or less, it's um, okay. everybody who's learning Spanish. Oh, okay. So we had somebody from Canada, like he was Asian Chinese, uh, and so he came in from Canada. So he was learning Spanish, Spanish with us. There were you know this guy from Georgia. So we were from all over, and everybody saw me. Like, you know, I'm, I'm brown. Like I've got melanin on me and they thought I spoke Spanish uh, and I'm like, hola, <laughs> you know, I could not speak Spanish for the life of me. And I'm just oh, like, I don't understand the conjugating the verbs, <laughs> but they, they, they all thought that I would be able to tutor them. And uh, unfortunately I so was the, probably the worst student ever because I'm like, I don't get this. But yeah, I mean, just goes to show, right? The stereotypes that are put on you for yeah. being brown, and you're—they're just like, oh, he speaks Spanish, and I'm like, I really don't. <laughs> He's brown. He must speak Spanish. Like, oh. yeah. So, like, was mm. everyone? 
serving, but they were going to different Spanish-speaking missions. Not everyone was going to Argentina, right? Correct. They're just like so yeah, they're being so spread had... out Mexico, wherever they spoke Spanish. Because there's even like Spanish-speaking missions in like Las Vegas or New York, which is right. you know, but so yes. everyone was just speaking the same language. That's how districts were broken up. Yeah, gotcha. and then we yeah, and so it's just your time within the MTC. So like, if you're there for just learning a language, you're there for like six weeks, right? Versus the two or three weeks, just if you're going English speaking yeah. or your native tongue, yeah. whatever it may be. So if you speak Spanish, you'd only be there for two or three weeks just to learn the um, discussions. Okay. And um, so they broke you up on the the day you arrived and the time spent on within the MTC. Did your family? drop you off at the MTC? Did they, were they able, because at that time, like we were still able to like, because I remember I had friends that were leaving on missions and it was a big to do. Like we would all meet outside the front of the MTC and we'd walk in, but we'd have to say bye at the door before they went into the big, the big room where they did the big introduction. It was like a big tearful goodbye. I remember doing it a few times with some friends that I had met my freshman year at BYU. Did your family drop mm-hmm. you off at the MTC or did you just, they just set you on a plane and said, peace out, homie, and we'll see you in two? <laughs> set me on the plane, begged me not to go. Oh. And I know. People, we didn't even know that was an option for them to take me to the oh, MTC. Okay. That's so shitty. They should have given a, me that option. They, they should have given us the option. But because my parents would have flown with me, but they, we were told that they have to say goodbye to me when I was set apart. Because okay, they might have changed that, so. that rule, I think, because it just got so chaotic. Because granted, that was like, when I did that, there was 2000. Okay, when I did that. yeah, and I so, went in 02. Yeah, I think they must have changed at some point, because it just, it got kind of chaotic having so many people at the MTC. But yeah, that's, I can't imagine like having... I don't, yeah, I don't want to think about it with my oldest. It's going to, oh, I have friends that have done it and friends who have, you know, kids on missions. And I'm like, I can't even imagine just like saying goodbye to your baby for, for two years. And, but now like kids on missions and they are kids. I'm not saying that lightly. They are children. Get to call home weekly now. When you were on a mission, it was like, what, Christmas and Mother's Day? Was that it? Christmas and Mother's Day. And only for like 30 minutes. Yeah. Was, Did you call from the mission office or from, I'm, I'm assuming from the mission office, right? Because No, we actually um, would get apartments. So we were responsible for finding okay. our own apartments. And then we had phones in each apartment because it was kind of sketchy in some neighborhoods. So okay. we had to clock, we had to call into like the zone leader or district okay. leader to say, hey, we got in. Uh, you pretty much do um, your daily report. So you'd say, we taught five First Charlas, we made two connections, we lined up appointments, we've got blah, blah, blah. Okay. And so you give your stats for the day. And um, we would be able to call from that phone, from our, our we call them penches, so our apartment phone. Mm-hmm. And um, so we'd be able to call home from there like twice a year for half an hour. Okay. Just because they were like, oh, the costs are so hard. Did we ever tempted to call another time? We couldn't. Yeah. I remember I got to call my family one more time, but it was just because coincidentally, my first cousin, well, my brother, like my yeah, cousin brother, uh-huh. uh, he was doing a Peace Corps mission in Uruguay and he came down to Buenos Aires and he said he was walking down uh, Buenos Aires, the streets, and then he saw these guys in white shirts and he looked at them and he just said, hey, 
my cousin's doing what you guys are doing. And they're like, oh, and it could have been anywhere in the world, but it happened to be the missionaries from my, my mission yeah. in downtown. That's crazy. And he's like, oh yeah, what's his name? And he's like, they're in Olivar. And they looked at him. They're like, Elder Olivar. <laughs> And he's like, I don't know what that means, but yeah, I think his last name's his last name's Olivar. And then they're like, Yeah, we know him. And because he was a buddy of mine, the, yeah. the assistant at the time. Okay. And the assistants are the top two who are right next to the president. So yeah. the, the mission president and the two assistants who are missionaries. And they were out in the field. So then I get a call, and it's it was Elder uh, Gomez at the time. And he's like, Do you know Philip? And I'm thinking of like contacts, street contacts, yeah. and all this stuff. Everybody in the mission field, and I'm like, who? No. And he's like, oh, okay. So you don't have a cousin named Philip, right? And I'm like, wait, yeah. I was like, my my first cousin, but is he okay? You know, first thing, I'm like, is he okay? And he's like, yeah, we saw, we met him and his wife in downtown in Buenos Aires, and he said if you can call him, and I'm like can I? And so I got to call him and I got to meet him. So he took a cool picture and sent back to the family. Uh, and all but that, yeah, like his, it was so weird because like his wife came, my, my cousin-in-law uh -huh. and um, she came up and she was like trying to hug me. And I was like, Oh no, uh, I, I, I'm oh, sorry. I can't I just because that. I was so scared. Yeah. And my, and my companion was right next to me. So, so it was just awkward having to be like, Hey, cause this is my companion. And he, my cousin's looking at me like, who? What, what? I don't get it. What is this? Yeah. So it wasn't until after the mission that I explained to him what mm. what that was. Yeah. And why I couldn't go see him. And he, he thought I was outside looking in. I was in a cult. Mm. And because he's like, why can't Darren come see me? Why can't Darren call me? Why are you yeah. calling Elder? That's not his name. Because he didn't <laughs> understand that that's what the title we went by. Right. <laughs> but Oh, that's wild. Thank you so much for listening today and allowing us to be a part of your day. If you would like more information on Leaving in Color or to be a guest on our show, you can find us on Instagram at leavingincolor.pod or email us at leavingincolorpod at gmail.com. If this episode resonated with you in any way or made you think of a loved one or a friend, please tell them about it. Your support generates more abundance collectively, so please subscribe to Leaving in Color wherever you listen to podcasts. Like all beautifully crafted pieces, this podcast was co-created by the most talented humans. Our music is by the melodic master, Tucker Winters. Our lovely cover art is by the multifaceted Jen of all trades, Jen Cagle Gilmore. Leaving in Color is masterfully produced in conjunction with Particulate Media, K.O. Myers, executive producer. And I am Christina Elmer. See you next time. <laughs>